You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by the NRMA, who are leading the charge in helping Australians transition to electric vehicles. By rolling out Australia's largest regional fast charging network, along with advocacy and education, the NRMA is making the electric transition more accessible for more people. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast, the first one for 2024, and we do have a very special guest. Uh, First off, my name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the founding editor of The Driven and also at Sister Sites Renew Economy, One Step Off The Grid. And it's my very great pleasure to welcome Robert Llewellyn, the um, the front person and founder of uh, Fully Charged. Um, Robert, welcome back to Australia, and I hope I got your description right. That was a, I'm very, very happy with that description, and I'm extraordinarily grateful to be in your fantastic country. It's been amazing, although it's been quite hot. It's been very <laughs> damn. That, but yes. yeah. hot, hot, and and humid. What um, and what I think humid. Andrew For- yeah, what Andrew Forrest, Australia's second richest person, keeps on talking about lethal humidity. I don't think it's got to lethal stages here yet, but it is in other places, Ooh, parts of no, the world. Not quite. Yes, but um, yeah. yes, um, for but, for an Englishman now out, out for change, a. Though. Yes, it is. Yes. I mean, would you, yeah. would you rather the cold or the heat? No, I, I'm afraid I am a real sucker for the heat. I absolutely love it. And, and I absolutely accept that I'm not having to dig holes in roads or build a brick wall. You know, that must be quite difficult at this uh, at this time of year in these temperatures. But, you know, to be hanging out here is an incredible privilege coming from where I do. It was, well, the other day it was minus seven at my house and it was 37 here. So there was... I can't do the maths. There was a lot of difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you might not be digging holes in the road or, 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 or you know, building houses, but you are going to be required to be fully clothed and in the company of many thousands of people at, yeah. at, what, at, at the at, at the conference next week. Now, so look, fully charged. Yeah, yeah. Fully charged is now rebranded. I don't know is the fully charged name must still be there, but your event is now moved. Is your thing? Yeah. The show has moved on. Yeah. So it's it is. Called... This is our first everything electric show. It's now called Everything Electric, which in a sense, it's you know a lot of discussion behind this. We didn't just do it on a whim, but it was the whole idea that the whole that we wanted to embrace the whole sort of energy transition. So it wasn't just cars, and fully charged kind of implies it, it's kind of so strongly linked with cars and with with, with you know electric mobility that we wanted to expand out of that. So the like the shows in the UK are now there's such a large amount of stuff about home energy, about insulation, about food, about micromobility, you know, uh, public transport, electric, you know, all those things. It kind of goes, and I mean, the cars are still a huge part of it. I mean, we have so many test drives available in Sydney. It's kind of record breaking, but, you know, and that is critically important to what we're saying, but we wanted to make sure we could cover everything, I guess, in that space. Well, it kind of reflects the fact that when people are buying electric cars now, they're not just thinking about the car, they're actually thinking about other things. So they're thinking about rooftop solar, yeah. they're thinking about the home battery, um, they're thinking about electrifying appliances in the home. And it's just really interesting, you know, after years and years and years of sort of talking about energy efficiency and things like that, it's suddenly dawning. Yeah. Maybe it's because the technologies are here, maybe it's because of the electricity costs and yeah. things like that, maybe it's the opportunities, but people are, you know, um, are, are thinking of just going the whole hog. So it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. It does. And I mean, it makes, you know, I've been talking to a few people here since I've been here. It makes sense from a, a national, from a, you know, national point of view 
that what does Australia do? It, it exports an enormous amount of, of raw materials that stuff's made of, but it imports an enormous amount of oil and gas. And you go, well, is that really a good way of doing it? You know, that, that if you could produce the energy you need to do what you do in this country, which you could even more than we can in the UK, uh, you know, that makes economic sense. Forget everything else, forget being, you know, tree hugging or you know, environmentally aware, it actually is, it makes sense. And then that's the thing I think that has really landed in the UK. It was since we've had these enormous increases in energy prices uh, after the invasion of Ukraine, people got it. They went, oh, electricity and everything is more expensive because it, because of fossil fuels, not because of renewables. And that's the first time that's been like accepted across the board that the more renewables we have, the more chance we have of reducing our energy bills. And that's become, you know, particularly with, off, it's for us, it's offshore wind. That's what's producing, uh, you know, and, and it's been an incredibly high amount of offshore wind we've been producing in the last few weeks. It's been really noticeable. I think we passed 70% on a, on a weekday, working day, 70% of all our, all our electricity was from wind. That's Which really is interesting. Kind of amazing, really. Well, it's pretty amazing, actually. I mean, and we've seen some fantastic records here in Australia too. In in, in some states where just rooftop yeah. solar just you know meets all demand in that yes. state for sort of short periods. I mean, that's just like that's just a bit mind blowing, yeah. and um, and, and not just yeah. for us. It's also for the market operator who's got to figure out how to keep the grid together. But I mean, look, it, these are new things, and, and they're adapting quite yeah. well. But I'm really interested in that fact that um, they're actually directly relating that whole electricity price rise into fossil fuels, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and just realizing that renewables are the answer yeah. because i think that's dawning in australia but it's not kind of you know it's not kind of mainstream i'm not too sure whether the mainstream papers have quite understood and and certainly our former government you know the coalition no. um i mean I don't, you know you probably don't want to get too political here but i mean they're just saying no let's <laughs> stop renewables now we don't want yeah. it <laughs> yes so, yeah. oh no we've got exactly the same we've got exactly the same i mean i think it is a little bit more nuanced because we have a you know a fairly extremely right wing government at the moment. I mean, admittedly, it's on its knees, and their and their the, the trousers of their knees are very frayed. I mean, they really are in tatters at the moment. But they still, you know, are, are, are will acknowledge the concept of climate change. They will acknowledge the fact that we need more offshore wind. They acknowledge the fact that we need to reduce our, you know, burning of fossil fuels, and they 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 are pro electric vehicles. You know, so there is this. It is a pretty universal that side of it does seem to be that within that within our Conservative Party in the UK, there are many voices who are a hundred percent against all that and want to, you know, dig up more coal and burn it, and they want to start drilling for more oil in the North Sea, which they say will make our energy prices cheaper. But everybody, including the people who do the drilling and extracting, say it won't make any difference at all because we sell it on the international market. You know, it's not that hard to understand, but still they'll they'll try that one, you know. But yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's just that's just we're kind of used to it now, I think, aren't we? Look, I think we are. And let's get back to electric vehicles and, <laughs> and things. Um, look, last yeah. time we talked, it was about a year ago. It was um, at the fully charged conference, which which had a huge impact. I mean, I think you had about fifteen thousand people yeah. flew there at not much yeah. notice. Amazing. You know, um, it was fantastic. And and the story we actually wrote about it afterwards, I think, has been the most read story on our website for um, what? For, Why? For really wow. the past wow. year. I mean, it's just just quite extraordinary. About yeah. three hundred and fifty. 
50,000 people it um, actually read the story. So um, wow. if um, if some of them turn up on... Um... Now, now, since then, we, yes. we've, seen, we've seen extraordinary <laughs> changes. Look, in Australia, we've just, you know, all of a sudden we've got that much more choice on electric vehicles. We've actually even got some sub-40,000 yeah. EVs. We've seen the sales of EVs sort of treble. We had, um, I think it was over 90,000 yeah. in the year in 2023, which is pretty amazing. In Australia, it's still dominated by Tesla, but we're seeing more yeah. and more different models. Um, before we get back to that and what specifically you're going to have offering on, on everything electric, which, um, you know, at Homebush yeah. next weekend, February the 9th to 11th, just tell me just some of the things that really grabbed you um, from overseas. I mean, you've been traveling widely. You've been doing the fully charged show in, you know, I don't, can't remember how many different continents, but quite a lot of them. Um, what, what are the, some, of the, some of the things that really leapt out to you in terms of, you know, electric cars? I mean, you know, Maybe it just comes down to some of the most exciting new EVs that you've driven yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think what I think the overarching story for me in the last year in particular has been China and, and the impact that China's having. So this is not this kind of goes beyond electric vehicles. But, you know, certainly within the actual electric vehicle arena, the the, the impact that the Chinese car companies have, are having now is you know, I think it's finally landed with everyone. You know, they're going, oh, hang on a minute. These people are making really good cars that are really kind of five to ten years ahead technologically than a lot of stuff being made in Europe and North America. They're they're cheaper. They're really well made. I, You know, I think the, the geopolitics of it I wouldn't want to get into. But, you know, the two, three cars I've driven a lot recently. One is the MG4, which we which we lease. And it's just, a, you know, other than what it's got one fault that drives me insane, but everything else about it is amazing. It's a really good car, really long range, much, much cheaper than, uh, you know, a lot of other electric cars in the UK. Um, you know, and it's just, and it's a it's such a nice car to drive. It's such an easy car to drive. It's quite small. It's got a really good turning circle, which means you can park it in a crowded car park. I think I'm used to kind of Teslas and bigger cars that we test. And they're always, you know, it's always a bit mm -hmm. nerve wracking when you're in a press car in a car park and you're going, oh, God, I don't want to scratch it. But the MG is just like, it just whips <laughs> in and out. It's great. That's all brilliant. The other yeah. one I've driven, driven recently. Well, uh, was... tell, tell us about the thing that, hang on, hang on oh, now. I've got to hold is. you up here. Um, okay. Tell us about the thing that annoys the heck out of you. Yeah, it is It is the lane keeping assistant. It is a lane keeping oh. insane. It's like having an unruly five-year-old that's undone his seatbelt and grabbed hold of the steering wheel and decided you, you need to drive into a hedge. It's, it's, it's a disaster. And you have to, and it's part of the, it's so bad. It's part we shouldn't of be laughing, the, we shouldn't be laughing. I know, I know. And I, I thought it was just me and I, you know, and I did, I said something about it on, you know, on a comment or something on threads or whatever. And everyone that replied, who's got an MG4 said exactly the same thing. You've got to turn it off. But the thing is, because it, because it's a safety, so that our safety rating uh, requires it as part of the safety rating. So they have to put it in and it has to be switched on every time you get in the car. So you can't set it so that it doesn't come on. You've got to get in the car. Remember. Oh, really? Yeah, you've got to remember. And then it's, it's not hard to turn off. It's about three, three touches on the screen and you turn it off and it's fine. But if you forget, which I do about 85 to 90% of the time, I'm driving up the road. And there's a truck coming the other way, and it suddenly goes me, 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 and it's like pulling me towards the truck, and I'm going, ow! <laughs> you know? So you have to remember then to pull over, turn the damn thing off. So that is, a, uh, 
they they did promise me they were going to correct it. They are very aware of the problem and they're going to get it right, but they haven't done yet. And also, there's another thing is you have to take the car in to have it corrected. You can't, they don't do it over the air. So, I mean, you know, that's it's a cheaper car. So, you know, I'm used to a Tesla where everything happens over the air and you don't have to take it in. But yeah, anyway, other than that, though, it is I've driven thousands and thousands of miles in it and it's been absolutely faultless once you've turned off the lane keeping assistant <laughs> <laughs> okay so, well, tell us about some of the other cars that, that, that really so, attracted you this last well, year well the, the other one that i mean just because it's so close to a tesla model 3 in terms of its its size its price its performance its range is the the byd seal i've seen two in brisbane since i've been here so they're on the road here and that is a you know, it's a, a, a like in comparison with the, the Dolphin and the Atto 3, it's a kind of higher end vehicle, beautifully made, really nice to drive. I mean, it was one of those ones where, you know, you'll have experienced this, Giles, where you have a test drive. So I had it maybe five hours to, to try it. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't do long motorway drives or freeways or, or uh, rapid charging, but it, I'm pretty confident it does all that very well. It's just a, it's, it's just an example in a sense of, what the Chinese can now achieve. So obviously, you know, Tesla has kind of set a benchmark in terms of, you know, the so I'm talking software, not necessarily the build of the car, but software, the battery management, the drivetrain, how that operates, the throttle mapping, all those things, I think, are, are, you know, extremely good on a Tesla. And this and the BYD seal is, is on a par with any of that, if not fractionally better i'd say the build quality is better the interior is better the software is as good it's really responsive you know all those things where some of the european brands i've driven it's a bit glitchy or you know, <laughs> it's just a bit it just feels like soft software isn't if you're a big legacy company that's built combustion engines for a hundred years and suddenly that's completely irrelevant to your product and you've got to do software yeah, you know, a lot of people who used to, like my brother worked in automotive engineering was like he hasn't got a clue about software. You know, he, he you know, he's, he he would much rather write a postcard than send an email. <laughs> <That's>, you know, <laughs> he's even older than me. It's hard to believe, but you know that's the thing is that these cars have grown out of battery companies and software companies. I mean, Tesla and BYD are really perfect examples. They never made petrol cars. You know, that wasn't their thing. They've always done this. You know, they know about batteries and software, and that really shows. I think in the you know, in their, in yeah. their build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what are you driving at home then? Because you used to have, you had a Tesla, I think you might have had a, um, a Nissan Leaf for a while there. Yeah, I've still got the Nissan, yeah, I've still got the Nissan Leaf. I'm allowed to drive it every now and then. My daughter uses my Nissan Leaf, so she's, and she loves it, and she's driven it. That, I mean, she's really clocked up a lot of miles. So we did, uh, a few years ago, during lockdown, we replaced the battery in the Nissan Leaf. And I've talked to other Nissan owners, you know, who've kept, I'm going to hang on to that car for dear life. Uh, you know, the, the, I like the, I think the statement, the range was rubbish when it was new and it got slightly more rubbish. You know, it was never a, uh, you know, it was a really early, early make of electric vehicle, but it was an absolute game changer, you know, and it's, it, and it's, it's now mm. done. It's coming up to just over 90,000 miles. So over 120,000 kilometers. And it's had so little work done other than a new battery. So the new battery is a, it's not a new battery, it's a second-hand battery out of a crash-damaged 
40 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf. So it's made a phenomenal difference. Fits exactly the same. This is what I think is interesting. The original battery in that car was 24 kilowatt hours. We took that one out and it's that battery is being reused. It now stores electricity at a factory with big solar panels on the roof. So it's not been thrown away just to make that little point now but the new battery yeah, no, and it's still perfectly functional like that perfectly yes. functional it does a great job for the office in the factory that's what that you know they don't they don't have electricity bills they they do it all off that but anyway the new battery exactly the same size exactly the same weight this is what's really important i think it's something like one and a half kilos heavier so it's like a bag of sugar heavier almost and it has 40 kilowatts, so almost twice the energy density of the original battery. And that car now has a kind of realistic, in the rain, in the cold weather in the UK, range of, say, 150 kilometers. Whereas before, it had a range of about 50, if you were lucky, 60. You know? So <laughs> it was really, really bad. It was terrible. So it's, it's changed the car completely. And everything else in that car, so it's had tires, uh, front brake pads eventually, quite recently it's had tires changed and a rear wiper blade that is the total list of spare parts and servicing that that vehicle's had i mean they're just you know it's really it? it's amazing difference and that's we've had it i've had it now and coming up for 14 years and it's done over ninety thousand miles it's an amazing car so i i when i am yeah. allowed to drive it when my daughter <laughs> leaves at our house or she's off somewhere in another car I, I do drive it up the shops and I zip around. I just love it. It's a really nice car to drive. Anyway, that's my Nissan Leaf. I love my Nissan Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and what about the what about the state of the EV transition? You know, around the world in the UK and Europe and the US. You know, we're starting to hear some things about you know it might be sort of slowing down or sort yeah. of you know sort of pausing a little bit because some of the legacy car makers, I mean, possibly because as you suggest, they can't get the software figured out. They're kind of pausing yeah. it and w- realizing they can make a fair bit of money in ICE vehicles. But yeah, you've mentioned. China is really driving change. I mean, Norway's already yeah. quite extraordinary. It's about 90% share of EVs. Yes. Um, I mean, I got it, you know, <laughs> what's happening in the world? I mean, I mean, it's, it is it's, I mean, incredibly hard to know the reality of it. Because I think, if you think, <laughs> which industry in the world, which huge global industry in the world benefits from uh, from the people going, oh, I, I've thought about getting an electric car, but I think I'll wait. There's one industry that really benefits from that. It's not a car industry. It's not the road traffic industry. It's not the, not governments who have roads to run. It, there's only one industry, and that's the oil industry. Would they possibly ever invest any money in lobbying groups who might want to spread stories about how electric cars are, are not selling anymore? I can't, I can't <laughs> believe they would stoop that low. But it's just possible that that's the case. And I mean, the, 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 what I love is you see a headline in, in um, flatlining EV sales as, as, as owners doubt their worth or whatever it is. We get these every day, every day in the UK. And then you go, you turn the page and there's increase in electric car sales by 160% in the last month. Massive increase in sales, huge number. Uh, but then the negative spin on that is, so many new electric cars and nowhere to charge them. So so it's kind of hard to know quite where it is. What I know is France, where we don't, you don't hear much news about them, but they've got their own EV industry, phenomenal amount of electric vehicles on the road. So Citroëns and Renaults in particular, you know, they're doing incredibly Mm -hmm. well gangbusters in Germany, I think is, is a piston based (laughs) culture. (laughs) 
you know, they're going to take, but, but they still are. Yeah, they still are doing it. But all the Nordic countries, you go to the Netherlands, we were there recently. Uh, it's just full of electric cars everywhere you look. And on street charging and every car park's got hundreds of charges and everywhere you go, you charge the car and on the, all the motorway services, there's a huge, like, uh, there's a company called Fastnet, a Dutch company that with chargers under canopies, every, every single, not just one or two, every single place you can stop on a freeway. Uh, there's a big charger with maybe five, in some cases, like 20 uh, high-speed chargers. You know, it's just, it's a non-event charging a car in the Netherlands. Mm. Denmark, huge amount yeah. of change. And we, and in the UK, to be fair to us, I mean, an extraordinary uh, number of electric vehicles on the road. I mean, it really has it changed a lot and and more and more different ones because obviously the same for the world over which is a huge amount of teslas um uh, you, you know in the uk and yeah but uh it, it's definitely changing yeah yeah that's good yeah yeah look i mean you see some silly stuff in the australian media too i think my yeah. favorite um uh from recently was um uh one sort of auto magazine or online things well took three two three hundred thousand dollar bmws one electric and one an ice vehicle <laughs> drove them from from melbourne to sydney and right. complained that the electric one would actually cost fifteen dollars more to charge than the right. petrol one um in used, fuel. Used fuel right uh, but 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 they sort of well, I, I kind of, you know, I, I do sort of question that, but um, I, yeah. I find it quite amusing that they um, they spent about an hour just watching the electric car just going from 80% to 100%. And I'm just thinking, and, right. and then complaining it took so long to charge. And you're just thinking, well, guys, maybe you didn't need to charge to 100%. You didn't need that, yeah. And, you know, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, but still. But it's also, I mean, anyway. I mean, the, the other argument in that is the, the most of the, a lot of the money that went into the petrol car left the Australian economy, whereas all the money that went into the electric car stayed in the Australian economy. That's my argument. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good argument. I really like that. Oh, good. I really like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to use that. I'm going to quote that. Yeah, <laughs> please do. Yeah. My own. Um, so let's get back to everything electric. So it's yeah. at Homebush. Now, now you've moved for, you've moved from the convention center to Homebush. That's obviously yeah. because you want more space and more ability for test drives. So yeah, um, it was and, and you've got a lot more car manufacturers this time, haven't you? I mean, yeah. you only had about one or two, and yes. a couple of them sort of turned up in disguise and pretended they weren't really car manufacturers. Yes, what's going on? But yeah. um... <laughs> that is, I mean, what this, this was the experience we've had with the whole thing. So when we did our first ever show in the UK. I can't remember if we had any car manufacturers. I think we had one or two, but really not at all. And we had very few test drives. But what we found out afterwards that was that every manufacturer's representatives in the UK bought a ticket and came along and had a look. So they checked us out, basically. And the following year, we had, I don't know what, 14 car manufacturers with loads of test drives and all that stuff. So it did, it took, we had to, and in a sense, that's what that's what's been replicated here in Australia, that you know, I met quite a few people from different car manufacturers at the event last year in Sydney. And, you know, they're all here this year. So, yeah, I mean, the main thing that drove us from uh, from Darling Harbour was the space was uh, particularly for test drive. So we've now got a, a hall where, you you know, you'll be in the building and you, you arrange a test drive and there's the car and you're inside and you drive out. And this is, you know, another advantage of electric vehicles is you don't, you don't have to worry about exhaust gases in an enclosed space, you know. So that makes, even if the weather's pouring with rain, you can still do it, you know, it makes it much easier and much nicer. So there's a whole hall effectively full of test drive cars. 
Uh, and there's a yes, there is. I can't because I haven't got the list in front of me. It's long of, of the number of different vehicles that are on display. And there's a couple of cars being unveiled here that haven't, I, I haven't seen anywhere else, which is really, you know, we have started to experience that with the shows, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, it is some, fantastic, some, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really thrilled about that. But that, uh, it, you know, so that the size of the the halls is much better. I think we're kind of uh, more, more than double the size in terms of uh, exhibiting space than we had in uh, last year. So, uh, and I, I don't know the city well enough. You know, I don't know Sydney well enough. So some friends kind of looked a bit askance when we said the Olympic Park, you know, because it's not that, it's not in the centre of Sydney, it's slightly outside. But then everyone else had gone, well, we always go down the Olympic Park. All the best stuff happens there. It's brilliant. It's much better than Darkhamer. So I don't know. I don't know which is better because it, it, it felt very cool to be at Darling Harbour. It was very, you know, very busy area with lots of things going on. But yeah, but but Homebush is actually within the geographical centre of um, Sydney. Yes, it so, is. I mean, Sydney is yeah, such a spread far. out city. I mean, I think the actual yeah, yeah. well, the geographic centre is actually in Parramatta, I think, or somewhere out there. So Homebush is, it, is oh, kind it of would be yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and it's kind of relatively relatively easy to get to. So so that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So um, and so people can expect um a whole bunch of vehicles on display, um lots of vehicles yeah. to test drive, and then a lot of panel sessions and people talking and chatting and just discussing about EVs and yeah. electric appliances and um charging and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, and I mean, also it is that that's this is a wonderful opportunity we get at these events is you know, to get people who are really specialised in their field. So it will be people who actually understand about batteries and how long they last and what they're made of and where the material comes from, Australia. And, you know, how about, you know, and, you know all those things. I can't help going on about that. Uh, and um, uh, Actually, because there was a story I've just covered, which was a, a dried up lake in the United States. And the way it was pitched was really interesting. Has nearly the same, nearly the same amount of lithium in it that that there is that there is in Australia. I.e., Australia has the most lithium of anywhere in the world, and yet all we hear about is Chile and and you know and salt flats and all that stuff and you know issues with water, which are you know genuine problems. But you know Australia's got loads. Anyway, sorry, going off the topic. Uh, yeah, because it, but it's those discussions. And one of the other ones, which we've only introduced in the last couple of years in the UK, and I can't believe it, it doesn't make sense that it's popular, but is cooking. So we run this thing called the Zero Carbon Kitchen, which is basically a kitchen with a refrigerator and a induction hob and all the stuff and mixers and everything, but all powered from a Hyundai. So all the power is coming from a car that's parked right next to the kitchen. And we do cooking... And we do cooking conversations. Well, the proper people who are doing it, they're called Bosch, these two amazing guys who do plant-based food in, in the UK, and it's really gorgeous. And they are very, very good at, at, at cooking and talking. And I've discovered that I am very good at cooking. I cook a lot and I enjoy it, or talking. But cooking and talking at the same time is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so they drag us up. So every day, I, every day, I've got to cook something at this thing, and they, and that, I think no one, who cares? No one's going to come. It's packed. There's loads of people, but it is, um, you know, they're very entertaining, and they take the Mickey, and they're very, they're very fun. Dan, Dan Caesar, who is my business partner in the company, and can't, he can barely hold a butter knife. He cannot cook. That man has never cooked. So, 
when I had to team up with Dan to do cooking, it's like he says, "What do I do with the carrot?" I go, "What do you mean? What do you cut it up? How? How, how can you ask how you cut a carrot up? Do you cut it, up? slice it, just like which way? Oh gosh, you know, it's really." Yeah, so I had my work cut out with those. So they're they're fun, but then the talks are amazing. We have a, the, the like the fireside talks at the beginning of the show. Really good fun now. Those have become quite a big thing in the UK. We've got some great people this year, and then the the actual panel discussions are wonderful. That we you know that they are very wide ranging, cover an enormous amount of topics, and again, it's it's that often unexpected. Thing. So a couple of years ago, there was a kind of inside joke when we were organizing the show because Dan sees it has a background in home energy and home heating uh, for many years. And he really knows his topic. And he was doing a talk called Beyond the Boiler, a panel beyond the boiler with like mm. the people who fit, fit heating and, and air, air source, heat pumps, ground source. You know, that was what it was, how you heat your home in the UK without uh, burning gas. And we all joked about, you know, who on earth is going to be interested in beyond the boiler? It just sounds so boring. And that, that theatre was <laughs> packed. It was standing room only. It was jam- it got the biggest audience of anything we talked about was that because people are really in, you know, how do I, I, I want to be able to heat my home without, you know, without burning, a, you know, without using gas. I, I do it finally at my house now. It's been really difficult because that's the kind of, it's much harder yeah. than transitioning to an electric vehicle. That's a doddle. Heating your house without burning any gas is, you know, in the UK is quite a yeah. challenge. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. It's, it's something we probably don't understand. Well, maybe in the southern states in, in, in Australia, we're yeah, doing it. Winter, yeah. in Victoria, we've got this sort of campaign of, of, of sort of pushing gas out of households and things like that, and the yeah. ACT as well. So it's starting to happen here. And it just seems to me that there's actually a lot of interest because I think people are understanding now that sort of fossil fuels do not need to be burnt. Um, they do damage the atmosphere. Yeah. And worse than that, they're actually causing these just really bad health impacts within the home. So for your kids yeah. and other people just sort of breathing in just yeah. the fumes of the gas and people understanding the dangers of that so in a way it doesn't yeah. kind of surprise me i mean look i'm, a, I'm not i'm not much of a cook either but um uh, i shall pair myself with dan there not with you so <laughs> um, yeah but, um, but yeah no it's sort of <laughs> um but um yeah no uh, but but i understand that cooking shows are really popular on tv and there's no reason why they shouldn't be yeah. popular yeah. in a show so look um yeah, yeah, and three yeah, days. Uh, I mean, that's a um, that, that's that, that that's quite a big um, that, that's quite a long, quite a long show, I suppose. It's a, You've got the it's a big, yeah, and it's a big, yeah, and it's a big job. I mean, you know, I, I'm always amazed at the team that put that together. So, you know, I I just want to reiterate to your listeners that there's no way I have anything to do with any organising because if I did, it would be an absolute disaster. You know, it would be it would be closed <laughs> down by government agents and rightly so, you know, it, it would be so chaotic. So the amazing team we have that, that are that come from an events background and it's taken a few years to kind of get the, the team together, but they are now they they function like a well oiled machine. It's amazing. So the all the stands are incredible that you know just the whole way it's organized and the you know i don't have to wonder where i'm meant to be next i've got someone next to me going come this way robert now you know there's no you know i'm very well looked after from that because it is you know it can be a bit overwhelming it is a, a big event there's a lot of people there um but it's beautifully run and it's beautifully clear like when you arrive you it's very easy to understand if you want to see talks for instance they're all listed so clearly, you know, what theatre they're in and what time they're on and who's in it and what, you know, what it's about. 
that stuff is done very, very professionally. And the uh, same in a sense for the test drives. I mean, the way they organize the test drives, I think you can't pre-book them because it just becomes too chaotic. So you, you do it when you're there. And they've the, the, all the, we now know how to kind of organize that. So we've helped all the car companies go, this is how you do it. You get them, you register them here, you do the checks on the driving license and all that. And this is where they get the car. You know, that stuff has become very professionally run. It's a, a really impressive team. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And and how long will people get to sort of drive a car for a test drive? Is it sort of like five minutes or something like that? Around, oh, no, around I think it's... No, I think it's a fair, you know, I, I, it's not hours, but I think it's like 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. I think oh, you I get to, tr to try it out on the road because so, they've got a lot of cars. It's not they haven't got, got one. You know, uh, you know, they'll have 10 or 15 or 20 cars of a type, you know, so that a lot of people can go. I mean, the last show we did in the UK where we had around 45,000 guests over the weekend, uh, they did tens of thousands of test drives i don't even know and they were really they were wow. kind of great great long rows of cars uh, so you obviously they could do more than one at a time because you know what i mean you know they've got they've got a lot of cars so yeah, now yeah. that and the organizing of that i just my brain was melting i said i can't even look at this I'm, it's too confusing <laughs> <laughs> but that you know it's, oh, uh, that, i mean considering that when dan first suggested we do live shows he said, well, that's a stupid idea no one's going to come who's going to want to come to that i've had to really eat my words on that because they have proven to be very successful you know so no, no, it's it, no, absolutely fantastic. Look, and um, tickets are obviously still available. Um, if yeah. you go to the uh, Everything Electric website, and uh, if you've got a discount, you use the uh, special promo code Driven. Yes, the name yes. of our website, just Driven, and um, you'll get a discount um, discount from there. So, so please do that. So. Um, that looks very promising. Well, Robert, um, you've probably got to get down from Brisbane to, to Sydney. You you flying or driving? No, I'm driving. I'm driving driving in an electric car. I mean, I've, I've actually gone uh, <laughs> earlier this year when I knew I was coming, I rented a Tesla Model 3 and then realised, oh, yeah, I've actually got to pay for that now. This is a bit of a shock. But it's it's been great. It's fine. And uh, so I'll, I'm driving down in a Tesla a few days before the event. So, uh, yeah, I'll be there well in time. Yeah, because we're, we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing family. So my wife is Australian and we're seeing family and friends up here. It's been a very busy few days. It's been lovely. My son has come out and he used to live here. And, you know, it's all it's all been very pleasant. But now we're getting, we're prepping for work. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Do you have any politicians turning up at all? Or do you just, do you just ignore them? Yes, we do. No, no, we do. We're actually having, oh, now, because I've now got to find my list of what's happening that's good though no it's a good question because we do there is uh no i can't fight it <laughs> damn where is it that's in an email to, i got today it, uh, which so there is um i know that dan is talking to a proper politician called <laughs> where is the thing i don't want to waste too much time looking for it there it's in here it's there it's very oh I've, I can't. I don't understand why I can't see it. Um, it's coming. No, we, it's we, 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 can, we, can, we, we can. We can actually sort of. We, we, yeah. We, there, we can anyway, there is. So... And, um... Oh right. Yeah. I will. Oh yes. If you snip no, 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 no. Um, if you can down. find his name, but I can. It's, uh... Wait a minute. No, it's that day. I know it's one day there. I just saw it this morning, and I went. I didn't know that was happening. It's a senator. I'm pretty sure. 
No, that's gone. I cannot find it now. Damn. That's annoying. Ah, federal okay. MP for the local that's area, Sally Situ. Sally, S-I-T-O-U. Oh, okay. Sally Situ. Who's the federal MP for, for I guess, for that part of Sydney. Oh, okay. I don't know that oh, she's actually good. appearing. Okay. And, uh, yeah, she, we're definitely talking to them. And we have, a, what is the other one, which is wonderful. We have uh, a welcome to, I, know, I don't know the proper term, but a, a wonderful Aboriginal welcome guy. To country. Uh, First Nations man. Yes. Welcome to country. Who, do, who did the most beautiful, clear, uh, you know, non-partisan, uh, welcoming speech to everyone. And it was just, it was really moving. He did that last year and he's doing it again this year. And he's such a dude. He's amazing. Uh, that was a real thrill for us because it's something coming from the UK. We're not used to that particular issue. <laughs> I mean, we're very aware <laughs> no. of it, but it's not. Uh, not some... Actually, I've got, to tell, I've got to tell you very briefly, I was in, when I was in Canada, when we were getting ready for the Canadian show in Vancouver, and there was a long discussion about First Nations in Canada and, and the, you know, the uh, hydroelectric dams and the way that had affected the First Nations villages and settlements and you know, really, really complex, long history of sort of awkwardness. And a young woman asked me, who were the First Nations in my country? And I, <laughs> I said, well, I think, you know, I don't want to be flippant, but I think they were probably like me, but shorter with red hair and very angry. And then a load of Romans and Normans and, and, and Vikings came and we all we went a bit less angry. But, you know, that's yeah, it was a cheap joke. But it was quite an interesting thing that that is out of all the issues that the, the UK have got with its a horrible legacy of colonialism and slavery and everything. We don't really have that issue, you know, where there were people there originally that are. Yeah, well, I'm one of the people. The Celts, you could argue, were there first. The Celts. And all these other... Uh, yeah, and then we, then we were colonised by the Normans. But it was back in 1066. It was a while ago. <laughs> it's a while ago, yes. But there's long memories. Uh, but still... Yes, look, very Robert, long um, It's been an absolute pleasure... <laughs> <laughs> I think members of my family are still upset about something. Um, yeah. Look, um, it's been a fantastic. Um, it's been fantastic uh, to have you back on the Driven Podcast. And look, um, congratulations in advance for the Everything Electric um, show. Um, a reminder that tickets are available. Everything Electric. Use the code the Driven for um, some discounts. And it sounds like it's going to be a great show and a fant- look a really fantastic opportunity. One is you just sort of say just hear interesting people talk about um, the industry and the electrification to get an actual test drive of, yeah. of vehicles and um, just to highlight the whole sort of, you know, the pace of change. And it's it's just really quite exciting and quite extraordinary. If you just think about a few years ago, who, who would have thought that this was even yeah. possible? Yeah. 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 No, anyway. absolutely. So, Robert Llewellyn, thank you very much and look forward to catching up in Sydney. So um, um, we shall see you then. Hello, it's uh, Giles Parkinson again, uh, just to confirm that uh, The Driven will be at the uh, Everything Electric Conference in Sydney, um, Friday the 9th to the 11th of February. And if you do want a a discount ticket, please go to the Everything Electric website and type in the code DRIVEN, just the DRIVEN in all caps and that'll get you a uh, 25% discount to the ticket and uh, look forward to seeing you there. Bye for now.